Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, Electric Range Rover Classic, International Women's Day, Top Tech Tips, the 2-liter Land Rover Diesel, and everyone's favorite segment, Famous Land Rover Owner of the Week. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at the Barris Collection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thanks to everyone joining us today. I'm the bias ply to Stephen's radio, the unsynchronized crash box of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online, Facebook, and Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. All right, Stephen, let's get started. So, Ike, in the news, two uh, quick items. First off, a company offering an all-electric Range Rover, but not Land Rover's upcoming all-electric Range Rover. This is, in fact, a converted uh, Range Rover Classic, now offered with Tesla powertrain. Um, and it's kind of interesting because I think that this might be the future for some of these classic vehicles that, A, are simply not parts available for running gear engines, drivetrain, etc., and maybe a little more distant future, but certainly a future where a fossil fuel-powered car is not something you can get fossil fuel for anymore. Yeah, I think uh, we're starting to see more of these uh, classic vehicles converted to electric power. I know there's a number of companies um, in Australia and the United States, you know, sort of specializing in repowering uh, various classics. And a couple are starting to even specialize in Land Rovers. I know uh, we've been supplying some braking components to Jaunt Motors in Australia, who's been doing a lot of series Land Rover conversions. Um a um, look in this classic Range Rover that you sent me some photos of. This company says that they will uh, convert your classic Range Rover or Defender to a uh, Tesla or or electric drivetrain. I don't know whether these vehicles actually exist or whether they're just being promoted as something they could offer. But certainly anybody who loves classic vehicles and uh, especially wants to drive them to certain cities in Europe where they're starting to eliminate uh, petrol and diesel powered vehicles from city centers, you know, this might be a viable alternative to consider uh, or sorry, to continue driving your classic into those types of places. Or, you know, maybe you just have... uh, environmental reasons or sound reasons you'd like to uh, have an electric vehicle. I can certainly think of some outdoor activities that would be more pleasant with a, a, a silent drivetrain. Yeah, I think and that's a little bit of what John's doing, right? They're trying to take an eco-friendly approach to uh, doing little outback uh, excursions uh, with range and all of that. I'm not sure how far into the outback, but... Uh, in-back tours. Yeah, it's a little in-back tour. Um, but really cool. I mean, they're doing a good job and it's, it's very thoughtfully uh, restored in that it doesn't, you know, completely replace every control on the inside. In fact, it retains a lot of the uh, a lot of the drivetrains, transmission transfer case, and uh, uh, axles, and, and that sort of business, so that you still sort of feel like you are driving a vintage uh, car, but you don't have all of the uh, tuning of your carburetor that you need to constantly uh, keep up with uh, if you have a copy 
Zenith carburetor. Um, so another piece of uh, <laughs> another piece of news. Uh, I know, Ike, this is uh, part of your never-ending quest to own every single example of a Land Rover vehicle ever produced. Uh, that one of the famous. Uh, I will use heavy air quotes on that. Judge Dredd, the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd film, uh, Land Rover 110 uh, vehicles uh, is again going up for sale. You see them uh, come across every now and then. They apparently produced 31 of these vehicles for the film, which to me seems just bizarre. Why would you need 31 of them uh, for a film? But anyways, they were produced all out of uh, military surplus, of course, uh, 101 Land Rovers, V8 101 Land Rovers with the famous three and a half liter uh, dual uh, overhead carbureted uh, Land Rover motor. And uh, anyways, I, I think this is the perfect addition. I think you could maybe turn it into a uh, like a camper van, maybe, uh, you know, do do children's birthday parties. You could dress as the Judge Dredd, the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd. I, it's a big I think it could be a big boon. It could be a big win for you. I I think that it needs to be the next exhibit in the Barris collection. <laughs> Uh, is what I think. Uh, you know, uh, I think that, that Phil at Dunsfold helped to put these vehicles together originally for the film, if memory serves. I could be wrong on that, but I uh, feel like I read that in a magazine in the 1990s. Um, and, and you're right, 31 examples seems like a lot. Uh, but, you know, now we have pretty readily available CGI. Yeah where you, you wouldn't need really any examples. And at the time that that was made, maybe that wasn't an option. Yeah. But uh, I've heard a lot of negative things about these cars, that they, they only made like two or three fully finished examples, yes. like interiors, yes. and uh, all the rest are just exterior shells or mules, you know. Um, and when I think about the the vehicular embodiment of a speaker enclosure that is what i think of is the judge dread vehicle and and no better example exists than this particular one that's for sale i believe it went to a speaker manufacturer if i'm not mistaken yes and and they used it for a promotional vehicle and it had like you know a thousand subwoofers inside of it you're absolutely you're... right it was jbl that used it as a promotional vehicle and uh, and yeah and now it could be yours for the low price of $25,000 which actually isn't a terrible price for a nicely uh you know a nicely equipped uh, series uh 101 vehicle uh really hard to put a value though on a judge dread uh JBL speaker it's, company used it's 101 it's not it's not hard to put a value on it i value it at 0 dollars in fact in fact you might have to pay me to drive that vehicle it is it is horrific no offense to the owner but uh, yeah, well, it, given the fact that they uh, they are infamous for overheating and nearly impossible to exist as a human being inside because of the ambient temperature coming off of the motor sitting right next to you without any ventilation, I imagine it would be difficult to drive physically, not just emotionally. But you know what would help the the driving experience? Uh, a thousand subwoofers <laughs> yeah, you're inside right. yeah. of that car. It would make it way better. Yeah, vibrating the air at high speed definitely makes that. If uh, you if you can't think about how uh, how unpleasant it is, then oh, I have a perfect personalized license plate for that car. Brown note. 
Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect personalized license plate for that vehicle. It is, uh, <laughs> it is certainly one of the finest examples of uh, a 101 Land Rover that can be had. So, uh, again, uh, early Christmas present, uh, Ike, maybe I'll get it on a trailer and head it up uh, your, your way. You provide your own subwoofers. So, in other news, uh, of course, it I would, would never forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Absolutely worth it. In other news, um, of course, it was International uh, Women's Day, and we thought uh, in uh, as many ways as possible, it is important to uh, celebrate that and the association uh, that, of course, women drivers uh, have to the Land Rover. In fact, one of the most important and foundational pieces of Land Rover's history uh, is, of course, a very uh, famous uh, women uh, woman uh, expedition uh, leader uh, and solo expeditionist? Yeah, I think you're referring to Barbara Toy and uh, her very famous vehicle, Pollyanna. And they uh, they took a number of trips through the Middle East and Asia in, uh, in the 50s and uh, promoted Land Rover vehicles and were sponsored, I guess, uh, by the Land Rover Company during that period of time. Uh, she's definitely a hero of mine. And uh, what a great topic for, for International Women's Day uh, observance. Yeah, I mean, and obviously we are not uh, maybe the very best people uh, to uh, be speaking in great detail on International Women's Day, but, um, I, you know, we both Uniquely have, unqualified. Uh, uniquely unqualified, um, but we both have uh, amazing partners that are deeply invested uh, in the world of land rovering, um, sort of like it or, or not, and thankfully they, they do like it. Um, but one interesting thing, uh, I think, around the, uh, you know, the Pollyanna uh, vehicle. Uh, it's owned uh, now by our good friend Tom Pickford. Uh, and having been uh, to Tom's uh, top secret uh, Land Rover bunker uh, and having spent time with that vehicle, it really is absolutely fantastic. And what a what a journey uh, it, it must have been to have uh, you know circumnavigated a lot of parts of uh, Asia and the Middle East uh, in that vehicle. Again, in that vehicle in the 1950s and and later on expeditions in the 60s, but in the 1950s, solo uh, in a Series One uh, Land Rover. Yeah, really an amazing car. It was a it was an 80 inch. I, I want to say it was a 50 model, mm-hmm. 80 inch, and it had a, a, a purpose built wooden hardtop. And I'm not sure if that hardtop still exists or not, but uh, in all of the photos in her books, it, she has the hardtop on it. And I believe she stayed in the vehicle, which if, if you've ever been in the 80 inches, is not a very big space to carry all your things and camp in. But um, uh, it, it, amazing, amazing car, amazing person, and uh, some amazing books that everyone should totally check out. Uh, she's, uh, she's definitely... Um, someone to uh, to look up to as, as far as expeditions are concerned. She famously received a Dormobile, a Series 2A or 2 Dormobile, as a replacement for Pollyanna, and then later gave it back because she liked her 80-inch so much. Which, <laughs> which isn't is an indictment awesome. on the Dormobile, but also... Not at all. You know, yeah, they're great cars, but it's hard to compare a Dormobile to a an 80-inch. It's a sort of a different experience, for sure. Especially when you've driven it like all around the world. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's absolutely it, amazing. I mean, I can say simply having camped in my 90, um, I, uh, I have a trick of tying a, uh, tying a uh, hammock to the uh, front uh, roll cage bar out the front driver's side window and attaching the other end to the open uh, rear door. And uh, that's just enough to let me hang inside of the car. And it actually works really well. My my friend has a, a similar technique where he takes all of his uh, foodstuffs and camping supplies and tools and spare parts and jerry cans and, uh, you know, clothing and these sorts of things and, and makes a big pile in the back of his 88 and then just like nests down in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. absolutely great. So, you know, the modern Land Rover Association uh, with uh, amazing women adventurers, um, I think an interesting thing, I don't know how many people uh, know about it, it's getting to be quite popular, is the Rebel Rally, which is an all-women-led uh, uh, navigation rally, raid-style rally, and their entire uh, format is uh, paper maps and compasses no gps no modern navigation aids which is uh a respectable feat under any circumstance especially in a four-wheel drive vehicle uh in the vast expanse of uh you know some of the deserts and things that they uh operate in that is no small feat one thing to orienteer yourself around a uh, school playground uh, during your uh your scouts uh boy scouts or girl scouts but uh quite a different thing when you're traveling at high speed uh in a uh, in a large unenclosed area. That's something that uh, my wife Liza is looking to do uh, in the very uh, near future, either uh, this upcoming race or or the next one. So plenty of Land Rover involvement there. Uh, there's been plenty of competitors in Discovery uh, 3s and 4s, LR3s and 4s, as well as a number of older uh, defenders. And I imagine in the coming years, uh, likely to have some of the new defenders. Uh, there's also been famously the uh, Rolls-Royce uh, four-wheel drive was used two years ago in the event. And uh, a lot of manufacturers have actually gotten on board now to uh, field test some of their new 4x4s. Not sure if we're going to get a Lamborghini uh, 4x4 in the uh, in the near future. Uh, the Lamborghini 4x4, probably my favorite, most ridiculous car ever made. It is uh, not the original. The original Lamborghini 4x4, genuinely uh, a car I really do love and is the like embodiment of an Italian-designed 4x4 that's just totally ridiculous. Quick note, it is a copy of an American design. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, there, was a, um, there was a company in the United States called, uh, I want to say it's like the Automated Food Company. And they made, uh, they made canning and, and food machines and devices. And they originally made the design for that car for the U.S. military. And uh, Lamborghini basically stole it. Wow. And produced all of a dozen of them. I mean, they're they're incredibly low numbered vehicles. I remember seeing one in Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada, where I'm where I'm from during the 1988 Olympics. They had the Italian news media, whatever. I'm not sure what the what the media was, but whatever. The uh, Italian news was there covering the events, covering the Italian team. And they had one of these Lamborghini four by fours for the purpose of. Uh, you know, of going uh, and, and covering these events. And it was it was uh, fabulous. Uh, such a ridiculous, such a ridiculous car. And they go for an extraordinary amount of money now. And of course, now the new uh, Lamborghini kind of looks like an Aventador if you slammed on the brakes really, really fast and it like all kind of like reared up and smushed in a little bit. 
It's a very interesting looking car. It looks uh, it looks quite uh, quite sharp. I haven't I haven't seen the new one. Yeah, I have not seen it. Worth it. Worth a, worth a Google. I I think we're gonna have to have a discussion about the L L M O O two the Rambo Lambo. Yeah, the L M O O two. At some point, and the uh, the food machine company LMC, and uh, I believe the food machine company vehicle is the common ancestor between the Lamborghini and the Humvee. Yeah, and the Humvee. Well, and and actually, interestingly enough, I, I had a uh, a military surplus to Humvee for for quite a while. It was a great car, and uh, there's common ancestry between that car and the and the Jeep, the Willys Jeep, um, and that is why the front grille on the Humvee is slotted in the way that. It is as an homage to the original uh, Jeep. Uh, so, so I think I think the the civilian uh, vehicle was that they were sued for using that same grill. Yes, they're pretty protective of that uh, grill design. Yep. Um, I think Roxor has been the latest to be uh, sued by Jeep for the use of their grill, despite having a license to use the grill. Yes. Dating back to the 40s. That's right. Exactly. Yes. What an interesting uh, journey. So uh, I thought we would do a segment uh, around uh, quick uh, tech tips. So, Ike, do you have a tech tip uh, this week, a top a top tech tip, a technical top tip? Uh, I have a, a t- tip top technical top, and uh, it's don't buy a bottle opener for the back of your classic series vehicle. And when I say series vehicle, I mean a series two or two a vehicle 58 to uh, 72. Uh, They have a perfect bottle opener built in and it's, it's five feet long and it's the bottom lip of the dash. It is, it couldn't be designed to be a can or a bottle opener, excuse me, any better. It is, it is perfect in every way. So the the bottom lip of your dashboard is a bottle opener. Try it out. It works wonderfully. But every time I see one of those bolt-on bottle openers on the back, I'm like, ah, that guy definitely doesn't know about the the five foot long bottle opener in the bottom of his dash. And the bottom of his dash. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, my uh, tech tip is uh, if you've been out in the desert at all in your uh, classic Land Rover or your Defender, anything that has scuttle vents, um, and you've been doing uh, quite a bit of ripping around out there, you've accumulated a lot of dust in the uh, in the car, but your scuttle vents have been closed. Uh, don't open them on the highway. Uh, so when you're at uh, highway speed and have accumulated a ton of dust in the dust tray, uh, don't open the scuttle vents because you'll be very quickly sandblasted uh, with whatever it is that's uh, that's stored in that uh, wonderful tray. As we all know, uh, we throw all kinds of crap in there, and then as soon as you open the scuttle vents, it uh, if it has no mass, it will come straight forward at you. And uh, many a time have I been uh, stuck in a, a little bit of sand or something and spun a tire quickly, uh, bought some brought some dust up into the car forgotten about that and then open the scuttle vents on the highway so a great way to fill your face uh, full of terrible dust and sand that is a great tech tip and one i i wish i had heard before i went to mexico uh it it, it also works for water i mm-hmm. uh i i did a spirited water crossing mm-hmm. in in baja uh i was with some other four-wheel drive vehicles on the baja peninsula and uh we had to do a muddy water crossing and, uh, you know, we're trying to outdo each other with the, the splashes and the so forth. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to show them 
needless to say, my scuttle vents were, they were definitely open. And, and so I drove through with some vigor and uh, the entire inside of my car was, uh, was smelly Baja mud for the next two weeks. It was pretty, it was pretty horrible. I felt super dumb. Yep. Mind, mind the scuttle vents. Mind the scuttle Mind the scuttle vents. vents. So that's, that's great advice. It is great advice. And it's, it's really, it's lessons like that, that we can live by. Mind the scuttle vents. I'm going to make a t-shirt. Um, Ike, let's talk a little bit about the world-famous, some would say infamous, uh, two-liter Land Rover diesel motor. This is a favorite topic of mine, even though it is not a favorite engine of mine. Hmm. The uh, the two-liter diesel Land Rover engine is, uh, is not looked upon with much fondness by Land Rover enthusiasts. It was introduced in 1956, at the same time the... Uh, wheelbases were extended Mm -hmm. 88 on the short wheelbase and 109 on the long wheelbase and uh, that engine is really Land Rover's first motor you know previous to that they were using a design that was derived for the Rover car line their sort of pre-war car design and uh, the Land Rover had been successful enough that they thought look we need to make a Land Rover engine that's you know specific for the Land Rover vehicles, and they, they started with a diesel, which was kind of relatively new technology at the time. And in, in fact, Land Rover sold the first light truck diesel in the United States, believe it or not. Oh, I in did 1956. Not know that. I did not know. Yeah, that. yeah, sort of a seminal moment in motoring history when you think about how popular diesel trucks are in the United States. Land Rover was the the first to market. Although uh, maybe they should have spent some more time on the engineering. They were kind of uh, famous for for cracking cylinder heads. Yep. They have a, a wonderful tractory feel and uh, they make an immense amount of torque up to about 1500 RPMs. And then they make zero power after 1500 RPMs. I think uh, it's all smoke from there, so to speak. But uh, it, it gave rise to a uh, Land Rover engine. And of course, the... The gasoline four-cylinder two-and-a-quarter motor was based on the two-liter diesel design and every four-cylinder thereafter that were used in the utility vehicles up until the, you know, sort of Puma Defender type stuff. That was all derived from the two-liter diesel. So the the two-and-a-quarter, the two-and-a-half gas and diesel, Mm -hmm. the 200 TDI and 300 TDI, Mm -hmm. And the uh, 2.8 TGV variant of the yep. 300 TDI yep. all harken back to this grandfather two-liter diesel engine. And it just speaks to Land Rover's inability to uh, move away from a block design once they have uh, settled into something. I-, I think that famously the V8 motor that was originally sourced from Buick and lasted through Almost all of the, uh, you know, traditional V8 motors, again, until they went to uh, the new process uh, motors in the Discovery 3s and and Range Rovers and so on. But, you know, that V8 motor was also shared by, you know, nine different generations of three different lines of cars and uh, uh, sort of very similar. So, yeah, that classic diesel motor, I mean, you never mistake the sound, certainly, of that motor because you you question, is it is it about to to fall apart like is this is it supposed to sound like that is often the first comment that you hear from someone who's not been exposed to it and then finally is it safe to breathe in here would be the second would be the second 
Now, uh, for those of you that don't have access to a Land Rover 2-liter diesel, you can get the the authentic experience by going down to your local hardware store and uh, and and going to the paint section and and just waiting around till they mix some paint. Yeah. It sounds exactly like a paint shaker. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it has a it has a uh, an, a, you know, a uh, a rhythmic uh, acoustic and yet wet sort of sound to it that uh you know, to That's this a day. horrific yeah. description. Yeah, yeah, but I think pretty accurate. And yet, uh, you know, and, and again, I think that yeah, it is reminiscent of a coal-fired train uh, when uh, when running at any any kind of speed at all. Um, and certainly on cold startup, it's a perfect way to fill wherever you are, outside or inside, uh, with a with a layer of haze. Uh, sort of, uh, you know, like a marine layer that you create inside of your uh, inside of your uh, garage. God forbid you start it inside. Better to let it roll out into the street and then start it than to than to start them indoors. But uh, again, a very cool car. I didn't know that they were such an important motor for American diesel engines in trucks. That's a really cool point because yeah to your point man if you've got the sort of state of the art ford f1 etc with the big uh you know cummings diesel or you have the i don't know if cummings is the ford one or whatever but um no it is not no not a cummings diesel it's uh whatever anyways but you've got the big the big diesel motor in uh i have uh, i have the eco boost in my ford ranger so uh, i don't i have the farthest from the big diesel motor but it's that's, that's what the cowboys drive the eco boost yeah, the Echo Boost. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a great car. Though. I like the. I like. I have a little Ford Ranger. I really like it. I've always had a, like a Ford Ranger pickup truck. Usually ones from like the mid '90s. But having like a brand new Ford Ranger pickup truck is a, is an odd feeling. But it's a great. It makes a great car, which just leads me to believe that man, would I ever love a pickup truck 130? But as we talked about last week, that's never going to happen here in the United States. It's just something not. I mean, somebody will take it apart and import it in a container and put the, you know, series Landover bad uh, VIN tag on it or something, and then you'll see it on Craigslist. Yeah, it's going to be great. Can't wait to pick that up. I'm sure, I'm sure the port and border guard will have no problem with that car. Um, so finally, Ike, as we wrap up the show, it is time for what I know is everyone's uh, favorite segment, uh, famous Land Rover owner of the week. Yes, I'm excited about this one because uh, I think this is a person I don't know much about. So I'm I'm excited to uh, hear this week's entry. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so this week uh, in our exhaustive uh, search through what is uh, uh, hundreds of, if not dozens, of famous Land Rover owners, uh, we chose uh, Portia De Rossi, uh, famously uh, married to uh, Ellen DeGeneres. I don't know if they're still married or not. Um, but the story behind this is that Portia De Rossi has always been a big fan of the Defender, uh, of the modern NAS style uh, Defender. Fender, and uh, I sort of always wanted one, and anytime there was one in a parking lot, uh, as her and Ellen were going out, whatever, they're doing whatever they were doing, um, Porsche would always stop and want to check it out and look at it and uh, talk to owners and and a very uh, uh, very vigorous supporter of uh, the Defender. So uh, secretly, uh, Ellen went out and sourced a NAS Defender uh, from, uh, from an acquaintance and uh, presented presented it to Portia in what I think is kind of a fun way. Um, They 
placed it in a parking structure, a parking lot that they planned on, you know, they were out for lunch or something and, and they were coming back to their car past this thing. And of course, uh, Portia sees this, uh, this defender. And I believe this is actually a segment that's on the Ellen show. It's on YouTube if you want to go look it up. And sort of, uh, you know, of course, she goes over and says, oh, this is so cool. This has got all of the things and it's like this and it's this year and what a neat thing. Like, this is really great. And then Ellen kind of hands her the keys and says, well, this one's yours, which is just kind of a neat way to like give somebody a car. Imagine if if you were a big fan of, you know, the LM002 uh, Land Rover, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Lamborghini uh, 4x4, and I gave you the keys, like, or even better, you were in, you were uh, admiring that Judge Dread 101 that I know you've been uh, fancying, and uh, and uh, we handed you over the keys. What a neat way to present someone uh, with a car for all of those people uh, like myself who creep on other people's vehicles in parking lots as they're big fans of the brand. Yeah, you know, I hadn't seen that clip. I'll have to to look at it. It kind of reminds me, you know, the only Land Rover that I've ever given to someone. I gave my brother a late Series 2A for Christmas one year. And the way that I did it was uh, I got everyone in my family WWF commemorative wrestling belts. And I packaged all of them in, in like uh, USPS flat rate boxes. And so everyone got a WWF wrestling belt except my brother who got the keys and workshop manual to a Series 2A 88 Land Rover in his box that was identically packaged. So when it when it came time to open his gift, he thought it was going to be the same, but it was in fact uh, a Land Rover and it was outside. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I love creative gift giving and that sounds like a great story. Uh I, I think I'm reading now that, that they are divorced. Do you know if the Land Rover was the reason for the divorce? I can only imagine it has to have been. Anyone who lives <laughs> uh, day in, day out with a, a daily driving NAS Defender uh, knows that you are on the razor's edge of separating from your partner uh, anytime you're both inhabiting that vehicle. And, uh, you know, I've owned mine for, uh, you know, 20, more than 20 years. I don't know. I've owned it since new. So, um, you know, so uh, Eliza and I have spent uh, many many, many a drive in that car. And of course, at one point it had a soft top uh, on it, uh, the classic NAS soft top, which the buttons on the windows in 94 are impossible to, to button up. You need like a vice grip connected to several cinder blocks to pull it tight enough to be able to get the snap to go. So most of the time you don't have the snaps done up. And so on the on the highway, it's just the sound of snaps buffeting against the side of the car and uh it's it's sort of a it's sort of a water torture meets like uh you know i i don't know it is an acoustic experience to say the least and yet we're still we're still hanging in there so i can only imagine it sounds romantic yeah it is you know after a fashion well, I uh, I thank you for that uh, that uh, education on this week's episode of Famous Land Rover Owners. Um, this has been a great episode. I've been really excited to chat with you about Land Rovers this week. I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure as always. Good luck and Godspeed. Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Consider supporting the show through our Patreon, and when you do, 
you'll be given access to exclusive content and Underpowered Hour merch. Want even more Underpowered Hour? Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 